Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires like the highly consumer rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few, go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer to help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use code JOHN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N, JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-467. 369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? I had to uh, do a little add-on. It's a little later. I, I recorded the podcast earlier, and uh, I'd been home, grinding. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get outside. It's like 4 o'clock, s- sunny. Put on some shorts. I'm going to go hit some golf balls. And then I get a text. And it was Adam Schefter's tweet from multiple people. People the volume. People all over the place. Nick Saban has retired. I said, holy cannoli. Pete Carroll gone. Nick Saban gone. Wink Martindale, Brian Dayball fighting. So we'll talk about it all here. Because that's what we do. Nick Saban, I would say in a crazy way, even trumps Pete Carroll. Which, 
two of probably the better coaches. Obviously, Nick's the best. Pete's him and Urban Meyer are probably the other two best coaches the last twenty plus years. So in, in college, at least, obviously, Pete won a Super Bowl. Urban did not fare well. Neither did Nick. So you could argue Pete's better on the aggregate. But you win six championships at Alabama. You won another one at LSU. And he's just an absolute coaching legend. Hell, he had Harbaugh on the rope. So we'll dive into that. Just crazy day. And Stucky, this is a long podcast because I had Stucky on. We talked for a long time on the games this weekend from a gambling standpoint. Yeah, buckle up. Oh, hopefully you got time today. You listen to us on 1.5 speed. Do what you got to do. If you listen on Collins feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. We also got a YouTube channel. All this stuff's on YouTube. So if it's easier to watch or consume that way, fire on the tube. Check it out there. And uh, other than that, yeah, we'll just keep grinding. Playoffs are here. Saban's retiring. Pete Carroll's fired. I mean, what? who knows what can come tomorrow? We'll be ready, though, because that's what we do. But first, I obviously got to tell you about my friends at Game Time. Go to the App Store. Download a little app called Game Time. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. Best ticketing app I've ever used. And I've used a lot of them. I don't even think it's close. Game Time, I stand by them. I swear by them. They're more than partners. I literally use the service. I've bought my family tickets. For Christmas, best gift. My brother got me the same jacket back-to-back years. I got him front-row seats at Cody Johnson and Sack in like two weeks. No big deal. I'm a good gift giver because of my friends at Game Time. You want to do something nice for someone? You want to get outside? You want to go enjoy yourself? Go to Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Promo code John. Sporting events, concerts, comedy shows. You name it. They got it. Game Time. Download it now. Promo code J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N. That's my name. John. Get $20 off. Cannot recommend him enough. Nick Saban has officially retired from the University of Alabama. Wowza. That was the Pete Carroll news on Wednesday was an eye-opener, right? That he was essentially fired. The Nick Saban retiring was jaw-dropping. You know, you get to the point where, never forget, a year ago or two years ago now, Coach K went on a tour, right? I mean, a lot of times college coaches at this level, kind of announced their retirement a year early. There comes a coach in waiting. Nick, I I don't want to say out of nowhere because he is over 70 years old. So it's not like impossible if I told you at the beginning of the season this would be Nick Saban's last season, even if it goes well. I can see that. But just when it comes out of the blue, after they make the playoffs, easily could have won a playoff game against the team that won the national championship, was up in the game with four minutes left. It, It took the biggest drive of Harbaugh's life, you know, down a touchdown to get to overtime, pretty shocking. No way around it. Now, I'm not going to spend my time listing off his accomplishments. I'm sure a lot of people will do that. To me, it's he's obviously defined by the winning, right? The, the national championships. I think he's the only coach to win three championships in three different decades. Obviously at LSU, then in the 10s at Alabama, and then with Mac Jones a couple years ago at Alabama. What really stands out to me with Nick is college football has always been very regional, right? Like I grew up in Northern California. I grew up going to Cal football games, watching the Pac-10. When I moved to Philadelphia and lived with people that grew up in that region, they went to Penn State. They went to Michigan. They were Big Ten people. And then getting to know people in the South, like it's SEC, ACC country. And it was always very segmented. Uh, but I think in early on in Nick Saban's tenure, when it was clear he was going to build a behemoth, he took college football to another level. 
I've always said this about Peyton and Brady. They were the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird of my generation. Like, taking a sport. Now it was different. Basketball was in a bad spot when those guys took over. Football was in a good spot. But they took it to another stratosphere. And you could argue Brady's also Michael Jordan. And what they meant to the sport of football, even now both of them are gone, they're reaping the rewards of those two guys. Now, a lot of other players as well. But those were, by far, in my opinion, the two most important players of the internet age NFL, which to me is like 2,000 on. And to me, the most important college football coach of the boom in cash is Nick Saban. He made the SEC, which was a very regional conference, which was always good, always producing NFL guys, always had great teams, a national conference. And everyone in the SEC benefited, and everyone around the country follows suit. So all these guys, when you see making signing these enormous contracts, he played a major role in it. He's also Jimmy Sexton's biggest client. Jimmy Sexton runs college football as an agent. So when you see these clients being you know, coming toward Alabama. Is it going to be Dan Lanning? Is it going to be Ole Miss? Or is it going to be Lane Kiffin? Hell, could Kalen Dubor do it? They're all Jimmy Sexton guys. So Nick Saban's control on the sport was all-encompassing. And ironically, I mean, we don't have news on Bill Belichick. Like, he kind of became famous working for Bill Belichick as his defensive coordinator in the early 90s. And then he goes to Michigan State, and he's off and running. A couple years later, he's at LSU, wins a natty goes to the NFL. People call him a failure. When you look at his record, it's not like he was winning two games. They turned down Drew Brees because the doctor told him the shoulder was shot. It turns out he was just like 18 years early. I think I saw Drew Brees within the last couple of months that he can't even throw a football with his kids. But so they didn't sign him and it derailed. But it's the best thing that ever happened to him, right? I've been fired a couple of times. Best thing that ever happened to me. Right? I'm sure many people listening have had businesses go under, have had relationships fail that have been fired. At the time, it sucks. But you look back, you're like, thank God that happened. Now, obviously, Nick took off in the middle of the night. He wasn't fired. But it clearly, he was inevitably going to be fired. He went to Alabama, and the rest is history. And he built a bully. And me personally, when I got hired at Fresno State in 2008, Jim McElwain was the offensive coordinator the year before was one of Saban's first big hires. He'd already been there, but hired him. His first recruit, when he got off the plane, leaving Fresno State to Alabama, hired as the offensive coordinator, he got in a limo and he went to go meet with Julio Jones. And signing Julio Jones and kind of that caliber of player moving forward, Alabama never looked back. And early on in the decade, he was defined for having Parcells Belichick-like players. Enormous, dominant defenses, a running game, Kind of a whatsoever offense. He would have a Julio Jones, an Amari Cooper, and then he started adapting with the times. The Lanes, the Sarks, those type guys. Right? Look, they had a quarterback this year that couldn't throw, run around, doing all sorts of stuff, throwing bombs. So to me, old guy, very adaptable, driven to win, a hard ass. A hard ass. Hard to work for, hard to play for. But to me, when you say Nick Saban, the first thing you think of, that guy's a winner. That guy wins. And I, I, don't even ha- I didn't even go to his Wikipedia page. I don't know his overall record in Alabama. Obviously, it's really good. To me, two things really stand out. He went to the playoffs, or back before the playoffs, the finals. It felt like every year 
Even when his team didn't have it, he found a way. Kirby Smart, who is a star head coach, who is going to win more national championships. If you tell me over under right now, Kirby Smart, three and a half, he's got two, I'd take the over. Does he get to Saban seven? Maybe not. But can he get to four? I would bet on that. Nick Saban owned him. Owned him. Now, Kirby beat him one time in a natty. He had just lost Mechie and Jamison Williams in the previous two games, but still beat him. But this year was a prime example. Kirby's team was better. I mean, I I don't even think it's debatable. Kirby's, now, it's not like Nick's team sucked, but Kirby's team was better. If they play 10 times, I'm taking Georgia eight and a half. Nick beat him. So, obviously, he lost the playoff to Jim Harbaugh, which is easily Jim Harbaugh's ever win beside the national championship. Jim Harbaugh's two best wins of his career. This is a guy that's been a Super Bowl, won playoff games, number one national championship, number two beating Nick Saban, and then the NFL games. Honestly, number three might be Pete Carroll as a 40-point underdog way back in the day. But Nick Saban took a conference, a regional conference, and made it cool for someone that's from California who now lives in Arizona. I don't miss SEC games. I follow the conference. Why? Because the conference feels like NFL light. It feels that big. Now, they've always been paying players on the table, so NIL is easy transition for them. And Nick adapted through that. And I wonder, the transfer portal, the NIL, it becomes a lot more work. And this guy's a worker. This guy's always also been known. Think about this. We crush Belichick because his staff, once they leave him, they fail. He can only have his guys. Nick Saban will hire whoever. It doesn't matter. If you're kind of good, if you got some ideas, if you've had some success, I don't care if you've been fired. I don't care if you've been running out of town. I'll rehab you. We will change your career. You will come here. I will change your career. I don't care if you're just coming out of rehab. I don't care if you just got fired on the tarmac. I don't care if you're Bill O'Brien and everyone hates you. I don't give a shit. You come here, we will send you to football rehab, and you will come out and you will get a big-time job, and you will make a ton of money, and more than likely you'll have success. Look at Lane Kiffin. Look at Steve Sarkeesian. Look at the guys that have worked for him. Hell, Jim McElwain went on. You could say he failed. He's been a head coach countless places. So you go work for Mel Tucker. I mean, Kirby Smart, all these guys. It's just you learn from them. That's what every guy says. Belichick, it's pretty clear, doesn't teach. Everyone, and I'm not saying Nick Saban's breaking everything down to every assistant, but clearly he's putting on a daily clinic. And those guys benefit from it. So it sucks. I mean, it's a, it's a sad day in college football. Because the football world is better with Nick Saban in it. Now, he's clearly going to go to game day. He's clearly going to stay around. It ain't the same. And Nick Saban on the sideline is something I'm going to miss. Is something football fans are going to miss. It's something the SEC is going to miss. Incredible run. Incredible run of consistency. The one thing I don't think a lot of people understand about these football coaches, you know, and I had a front row seat you know, a couple of years with Andy Reid. I saw it with Pat Hill. These guys are so rich, right? I mean, just they have an outrageous amount of money. Yet when you see it firsthand, you're like, this guy's work ethic and drive is incredible. But to me, the thing that always stands out about an elite football coach is how much they love coaching football with their players. And that passion keeps them young. You know how often you meet old people? You know, back hell when I was a kid, it was like you're 60 year old. Now, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And the guy feels really old. You notice how football coaches tend to feel a little younger? 
right? Andy Reid feels closer to 50 than he does to 70. I know he's big, but I'm just saying like his personality. Pete Carroll, uh, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Being around youth keeps you young. Being around your passion keeps you young, keeps you energized. His energy and his passion for football never waned. And I'll never forget this year when I met a buddy for some cocktails. And he knows the SEC well. And he's like, they suck. They're not going to be any good. This is not going to be a good season for Alabama. I was like, yeah. And I remember watching them early on. I'm like, God, they're not very good. They went 12-1 and and they won the SEC. You can say the SEC's down. That's fine. They fucking beat Georgia in Atlanta. Again. With Jalen Milrow. I truly believe. It's like Sean McVay. Obviously, you win a Super Bowl. You know, you're Nick. You won national championships. It's hard to have better years than those. But to me, if you have a successful year with way less talent than your great years and you still, you know, win a bunch of games and go to the playoffs, like Nick Saban, like Sean McVay, that's coaching. That's what I pay a premium for. I never want to even be average. Nick Saban easily could have had an 8-4 and four season this year. And I would say 99.9% of coaches in the history of football with that roster go 8-4. and four. Yet somehow, <laughs> with Jalen Milrow, they had Michigan on the brink in a playoff game. In his shittiest years, it's like, oh, he lost to Urban Meyer in a playoff game. Oh, he lost to Harbaugh in a playoff game. That was his floor. What a old-school throwback ass-kicker. Honestly, America's going to miss Nick Saban as that generation of men leave us. Uh, and I know he's not dying, but I've just seen in general, as they leave the workforce, get a little softer. That's for damn sure. So. Congrats to Coach Saban on an incredible, incredible run. One time I was with my cousin at the Pro-Am at AT AT&T Pebble Beach, and we ran into him. My cousin played football at Fresno State, and we both were just halted. This was at Spanish Bay, and we went to kind of like, you know, we're football guys, like we know football people, we know people that he knows, and he just looks at you, he's small. He's not big. (laughs) He's not big at all. He's not like some Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh intimidating president. He's a small guy. And he stares at you. And he's not a bullshit guy. And I just, I didn't have any words. My cousin, who's Kenny, who's a talker, didn't have any. We just kind of froze. I've heard a lot of stories like that. He, he can intimidate the hell out of anybody. Little man from West Virginia, you do not want to mess with. Who's going to take over? It's going to be a Jimmy Sexton client. And obviously, Nick Saban's going to pick. I'd hire Lane Kiffin. I've heard things that that probably won't happen. That, that'd be my hire. He's already in the SEC. He's already kicking ass at Ole Miss. He already knows the Alabama program. You know, they'll be all over Dan Lanning. If I'm Dan Lanning, like, obviously Lane would leave Ole Miss for Alabama. Oregon's a pretty unique place. Like, they're humming. He can win national championship there. Ton of money's not the issue. NIL's not the issue. As crazy as it sounds, like, do you want to replace Nick Saban? Do you want that job? Like, I, I don't think staying at Oregon's crazy. And if you win, a, you, you win for a couple more years, then go after the next guy. It doesn't quite work out. If I'm Dan Lanning, I think long and hard. I don't think replacing Kirby, obviously, not leaving. He's a Georgia guy. They're not going to be interested in Dabo. Dabo probably wouldn't even, and makes a ton anyway. It's pretty clear. It's like, Dan Lanning, Lane Given. I've heard through the grapevine. I don't know if Nick is on board with Lane. Steve Sarkeesian. Like, if you're Steve, why, why, I've already beat you at Texas. Why wouldn't I stay? Dan Lanning, like, I got unlimited money. <laughs> why, why do I need to leave? So it's going to be interesting. I personally would hire Lane. I would hire Lane. I, I think he works. He's proven to be an elite offensive coach. He know he's a little. He's obviously different than than Nick. Screws around a little bit. Not as serious. Twenty four seven, three sixty five. But that dude can coach ball, man. 
that dude can coach. So I, Lane Kiffin will be my, my hire. Okay, let's dive into Pete Carroll. At any time that you see a big move, even if you know weird stuff is happening, it's still shocking. And it's the great part about the NFL. You never truly know what's going to happen. And we've been hammering home this point for a while. Because of the influx of the television money, you got to be prepared for everything at all times. Just because a guy has an enormous contract, you're cut. You're traded. Just because a coach or a general manager got an extension, see you later. Adios. Nice knowing you. And to me, Pete Carroll, I, I don't think this is that complicated. He's 71, 72 years old. He's a defensive coach, and their defense has been really bad. And then when you look from a macro standpoint, like the league's kind of changing. And it's been hard for him to change, right? He has nothing to do with the offense. His defense is just not good. And he's a defensive, quote-unquote, guru. Like, look at Belichick. Yeah, Belichick knows nothing about offense. And I, I don't mean he doesn't know the plays and stuff. I'm just saying, like, he clearly struggles with that part of the ball. When he has Josh McDaniels, he's fine. But defensively, no issue with Belichick. Their two best players got hurt on defense, Judon and the rookie corner from Oregon. And their defense by the end of the season was still playing great. So can you impact your side of the ball? And that was something that Pete really struggled at post-Sherman, Michael Bennett, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. It fell apart. And they've been successful. They don't lose. No different than Mike Tomlin. Just because a divorce... I say this all the time. I know a lot of people that get divorces. They hate the other person. Like, that happens, right? Vrabel, Amy Adams... Like the, the, the Titan situation, a lot of hatred. Wink Martindale, Dayball, we'll get into that. A lot of hatred. Pete Carroll, even Bill Belichick, it was like, listen, it's just time. It happened with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. It's a, the nature of the business. And to me, the Seattle Seahawks made the right decisions. And these decisions aren't easy. Like, it's easy to fire Josh McDaniels. It's easy to fire coaches who don't know what they're doing. It's easy to cut players that aren't very good. It's easy to fire an employee who you don't like and doesn't make any money. It's much more difficult when you're going through a rough patch and the person has earned a lot of equity with you, whether that be production as a player, whether that be wins as a coach, whether that be sales as an employee. This was difficult, right? I remember when Elon bought Twitter, he fired everybody. And the media was like, oh my, what a tyrant. And then every other tech company followed suit. They were yearning to fire people. They were yearning to trim the fat. They didn't have to think twice of it. They were just waiting optically for it not to look as bad, right? I lived in the Bay Area. I knew a bunch of people making four, or $500,000 or like work from home and they weren't doing anything. I knew an HR manager, or not an HR manager, someone in charge of hiring. Someone in charge of hiring. They had a two-year hiring freeze. She was making over $400,000. Couldn't hire. She didn't do anything. She went to the country club all day. Like, what? what's going on here? It, it didn't add up. Ultimately, lost her job. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And but those are easy moves, right? Firing Pete Carroll, firing Bill Belichick, right? Cutting Peyton Manning. Those are things that keep you up at night. Those are decisions in sports that are the Warriors. Like they're probably not going to re-sign Clay Thompson. That's not going to be an easy thing to do. But like sometimes you have to make tough decisions. And listen, making decisions like this should be hard. They should be complicated. You should lose sleep over it right? They're not easy because the guy that you're letting go, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, they don't want to stop, right? You saw Pete Carroll. And I, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm glad 
that in his last year coaching, because I don't think anyone's going to hire him in the NFL to be a head coach. And, you know, they quote unquote, let him stay in the organization. Well, he makes a ton of money. It's not like he's going to walk away. Right? So he's kind of got to do that. He's not doing anything. It's like Ozzie Newsome. He's going to stay in the Ozzie does whatever he wants. If Ozzie wants to play golf, work out, like he's just on salary. And he deserves it. Just like Pete Carroll. What, they're going to keep paying him his contract. Well earned, well deserved. Right? But like, it was time to make a change. And whether it was the owner leading this charge, whether it was John Schneider leading this charge, the organization has a chance to be better moving forward. Now, just because you fire a guy and it's the right move, and you know that like this is not going to be easy publicly. New England's going to go through that. Like, is the guy going to be better than Bill Belichick? Is the guy going to be better than Pete Carroll? History would say probably not, right? And it's difficult. The one thing I think Seattle really has going, well, they got a ton going for it. Their GM, to me, is a top five guy in the league. I think that's, I know a lot of people in the NFL, they would all say that. Me Personally, just from the outside, I, I would definitely say that. And I think a lot of pushback, we'll see some of these moves. You understand Pete Carroll was the boss. Pete Carroll, like the reason they get Jamal Adams, who, whose idea you think that was? I'm not saying John's not behind it, but like Pete Carroll led the quarterback decisions. Who was the reason that they drafted Russell Wilson? Who was the guy that wanted to trade Russell Wilson for the number one overall pick so we could take Josh Allen? Who's the guy that pulled off that fleecing, fleecing of the Denver Broncos? John Schneider. To me, you could make an argument. If you just pulled people around the league, I think a lot of people think John Schneider's like a top three general manager. And I think this organization, they got some holes. Defensively, they haven't been great. But they got a couple pieces. And offensively, they have a ton. They got good young offensive linemen. They have Kenneth Walker, who to me is one of the more talented young running backs in the NFL. His one season in college literally got Mel Tucker $95 million because he couldn't keep his, you know what, in his pants. He, I think, lost a lot of that money. His own fault. But remove Kenneth Walker from Mel Tucker's career? Loser. (laughs) Kenneth Walker, stud, love watching that guy play. DK Metcalf, like the poor man's version of Terrell Owens. Jackson Smith and Jigba, stud. Tyler Lockett's a little older, but clearly he literally loves Seattle. He's an excellent wide receiver. So skill-wise, has never been their issue. And to me, they have all their draft picks. Well, definitely their first-round pick. I haven't looked at all their picks. This is going to be a highly desired job. Ownership, a lot of money. GM, big time. Inheriting, some talent on the roster. (laughs) You know, check, check. Winning culture. It's got some flaws, but these guys are used to winning. I mean, they've won 18 games the last two years once they shipped out Russell Wilson. And I wonder if this move happens regardless if they had made the playoffs because they got swept this year by McVay now that his team's good. They've lost five straight games of the 49ers post-Russell Wilson. And a lot of those have been thorough ass kickings. They barely just beat the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, if Prater makes the kick, they lose. So they're kind of getting worked in the division, which is a problem. Like, that's the microclimate. It's like, listen, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are clearly two of the best young coaches in the NFL. You could argue the two best. And Jonathan Gannon looks like they kind of got their shit together. And Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals have just always given us problems. That's the way it's kind of worked in the, inside the organization. So. This is a no-brainer. It, it really is. And Seattle people, I get a lot of DMs. Obviously, I answer them on the mailbag about the Pete Carroll situation before today. And I've been saying this for a while. Like, this is the right move. This is 100% the right move. Now the key is, and listen, the reason John Schneider is there is because of Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll hired him. Pete Carroll put him in position of authority. Pete Carroll let him grow into 
one of the best GMs in the league. But I bet John Schneider, I haven't even read if he's had a quote yet or whenever he gives a press conference, he'll be the first to say, I owe this career. I'm sure he's got multiple homes now, ton of money, a Super Bowl ring. To that guy with the new balances on that chews gum like it's the last you know thing that's ever going to enter his mouth and one of the great all-time football characters we've ever seen. I mean, he's had an incredible 20-year run. He resurrected one of the great brands in college football. Now, he was using NIL before NIL was legal, but that shit, they had a squad. They would go into the SEC and they beat their ass. They dominated out West. They became like an NFL team. At one point in time during Pete Carroll's era, during the USC run, there was a legitimate conversation. Could this team beat an NFL team? And it was like, I was in college. You would have serious conversations. Now, whether the outcome's serious or not, like those were happening. Why? Because his team was literally littered with first rounder after first rounder at every position. And then he went to Seattle, hired John Schneider, and within a couple years, has Russell Wilson, has Sherman, has Cam Chancellor, has Earl Thomas, and just starts beating the shit out of everybody. They had the number one scoring defense, I think, for four straight years. They won a Super Bowl. They're a Marshawn handoff away from winning two straight Super Bowls. And they just kept sustaining success. Yeah, they didn't win playoff games every year, but they never sucked. They never were bad. I think the worst year under Pete Carroll was 9-7 and seven or 9-8. and eight. It's a lot like Mike Tomlin, but I say it all the time. Just because you don't bottom out doesn't mean it's not over. You don't need to go bankrupt for me to tell you you're bad at business, right? So I, I just think that Seattle had a strong look internally, and they made the right decision. And this is, it sucks for Pete. These last couple of days could not have been easy for him, right? Because accepting, listen, I remember the first time when Howie Roseman called me and said, yeah, we're not going to renew your contract, which I already knew. Like, I knew I was not coming back. And I was 27, 28 years old. But when I heard that, and Pete Carroll's been fired before, it's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life at the time, right? Professionally, definitely. Because like, God, you know, it's just, it's a hard thing to hear. Like you're prideful, you're ambitious, you've built your entire life off trying to attain success and keep moving up. And then you're told that and it's like, then you realize as you get older, like this, some certain businesses are a little different than others, you know, and that's this business. And really in modern day football, you're judged, obviously, if you're not making the playoffs, you're not going to last long. Like Arthur Smith, three straight seven win season, see ya. Josh McDaniels losing to division three players losing to Baker Mayfield off the street. Like, it's just like, what are we doing? Losing to uh, Jeff Saturday. Those are easy. These ones are difficult. These ones are hard. But, like, you eventually need to draw a line in the sand. Is that, are we just going to continue this? I've been hammering this about the Steelers forever. I love Mike Tomlin. Like, I'm a Mike Tomlin fan. If Mike Tomlin was available, I'd be all over him as another organization. I just think it's run its course. Just like Pete Carroll. It had run its course. So I, uh, props, and I think they're going to be all over good coaches. And I know that they've linked to Dan Quinn because he was there. I think that's pretty risky. I think there's an element with Dan Quinn that's like a poor man's Pete Carroll. Now, clearly one thing he's shown in Dallas is he's really good, you know, scheming defense. He's adapted a lot, but it's so predicated off the offensive guy. Now, I, I would imagine, I'm just going to throw out a guess. Would Dan Quinn, would his offensive coordinator be Kellen Moore? Maybe they're close. We saw Kellen Moore outside of Dallas this year was kind of a struggle. And he had Justin Herbert, right? Would he go after one of the Shanahan guys? I don't know. But it's very predicated on the offensive coordinator. Or it's like, Middlecoff, you like Vrabel? He's a defensive guy? Yeah, because I know who his offensive coordinator is. It's Arthur Smith. I also know 
that if I get Vrabel and Arthur Smith, I don't have to necessarily worry about Arthur Smith becoming a head coach in a year. And we'll get into the Bears. Like if the Bears hire some good young OC and they get Caleb Williams all of a sudden in a year, like that guy's interviewing for head coaching jobs. Look at D'Amico. D'Amico's a stud. He takes Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick has one good year with C.J. Stroud as a rookie. Greatest rookie season we've ever seen. Bobby Slowick's interviewing everywhere. It, it's a very risky turnover with the second most important guy in your organization. You could argue the head coach and the quarterback are kind of equal, right? New England people would say one's more important. Well, yeah, if it's Tom Brady, but most quarterbacks are very dependent on the coordinator. So I, I just think that it's going to be interesting. I would lean offense. To me, they have offensive pieces. pieces. If I was Ben Johnson, like I would be all over this. If I was any good young offensive coach, I know I have a uh, general manager who can support me, and they have offensive weapons. So I can immediately throw up points, and I have my first-round pick. So we can be in the mix to draft a quarterback high, right? We could trade up, you know, get a guy who I can function with right away. Or worst-case scenario, we just keep building this up, and I play another year with Geno and Drew Locke, which are capable, you see, with Pete, like in your offensive weapons, that you can compete to win nine or ten games. So there's a big difference of winning nine games with a brand new coach than winning nine games with a coach in his 14th year. It doesn't feel the same. One feels like you're trending in the right direction. The other one feels like you're stagnant or going backwards. So I I think this was um, shocking when you see a headline, very understandable when you take a second to think about it, and 100% the right move. So Seattle is immediately one of the top destinations now with all the available, like, Better develop, better uh, availability to me than Washington. Better than Atlanta. Better than the Raiders, right? Obviously, the Chargers are just number one because they have a high-level quarterback who's under contract, but th- this, this is a fantastic job. Wink and Brian Dable. There have been stories over the last 24, 48 hours of Martindale refusing to talk to him, cussing him out, storming out of the building, flying to uh, Florida. Uh, and just not picking up his calls, refusing to basically talk or do business with these guys. And uh, my take on this is simple. Just because you're in a position of authority does not mean that I have to respect you. Right? It doesn't mean that I can act like a fool, but just because you're the boss or the head coach doesn't immediately mean that you're guaranteed respect. Just because you're the quarterback doesn't mean everyone's going to look at you like a leader. Like, you have leadership qualities. And Wink Martindale, I don't know either of these guys. Like, people think, like, you're just doing Wink's dirty work. Never met the guy. I don't know the guy. Like, I'll be the first to admit from what I... Huge ego. Big personality. Here's what I know. Brian Dayball has treated people for two years terribly. And it's football. I worked in football for years. I've had things thrown at me in an office setting. I've been cussed out. You're allowed. This is not a random office job. You're used to, you know, tense, contentious, just uncomfortable environment. Part of the business, right? This is, this ain't fucking softball here. No issue with getting on guys, right? When they're not performing. But when you consistently talk down to others who are older and have accomplishments, it ain't going to work. They're not going to respect you. And when I think, like, what are your pelts on the wall? If Wink Martindale, he fired on Monday, Wink Martindale's right-hand guy. Didn't tell him, just fired him, right? So Wink was furious, storms out, MFs him, I'm sure. He did that on purpose. Like, he was trying to fuck with him. Which, like, we act 
So when the Giants leak all these stories to the New York Post about Wink being the nut job, like they're, they're absolving themselves, specifically Brian Dable, for creating the situation. It takes two to tango. And to me, like, did Wink handle it perfectly? Of course not. Does Brian Dayball have the resume and the record to just scream? Like, it's one thing to scream at younger coaches, but to just be all over this guy 24-7, 365? So when the story leaks that he goes in the defensive meeting room and goes, does anyone have a problem with me? And no one says they have a problem with him. Everyone's like, see? Like, why didn't they speak up then? This is a year and a half. This is you know, 20 months into the operation. Once you get to a line where it's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> you think I'm going to stand up like, yeah, you need to do this, this, and this better. It's like, bro, th- this is the big leagues. You-, you can't figure it out yourself. I just listened to some of Lombardi's podcast. You want to hear? He knows both guys. He's telling you. Like, Dayball does not handle himself well at all. So when it gets to the point, the tipping point, don't expect, oh, let's just figure this out. Wink Martindale's making $3 million a year. He had a three-year contract around $9 million. Doesn't, he's already rich. He's like, double middle fingers, I'm out, bro. I'm not dealing with this. Do you think that even if you weren't on the same page, he would have acted like this to him and John Harbaugh broke up? They didn't have this happen. Do you think he would have acted like this with Andy Reid or Bill Belichick? So just because you become the boss, just because you become the head coach, doesn't mean that you just can treat everyone like shit. I saw it when I was in the NFL with a guy named Ryan Grigson. How did that work out? You have to have a level of, like, I have to earn your respect. I can't just be a bully all the time, especially if I'm not great at my job and think people are going to kiss your ass. Like, why did everyone line up behind Tom Brady? One, he treated him well. And two, they respected anything he brought to the table, right? Because of his pelts on the wall, because of his work ethic, because of the way he acted and conducted himself. And obviously, his accomplishments. So if he wanted to light you up after you screwed up on a route, you got to listen. If Andy Reid calls you into the offices in your ass about something, you're like, well, this guy kind of knows what he's doing. 20 plus years. Averaging 10 plus wins a year. Multiple Super Bowls. Four Super Bowl appearances. Right? If Pete Carroll's in you, like, hey, maybe I should listen. Don't you think Russell Wilson might have benefited if he would have listened to some of Pete's advice? Like, hey, Russell. I've been around the game a little longer than you. How about you listen to me? But what, how did Russell handle it? Not like Wink. Very passive-aggressively. What he did was constantly leak stuff, let Russ cook. If they were to trade me, here's where I want to go. No, you should have just drawn a line in the sand, being like, and got on the same page, but he wouldn't. Too big of an ego. And this is a situation, some big egos, and just ultimately no respect. Wink Martindale respects, I, you know, listen, we all get to a point, we've all been there at different times in our life where we don't respect the other person. Right, whether it's a boss, whether it's a partner, whether it's someone in our industry. And once you get to a certain point, you do not care. You have zero energy. You refuse to play top politics where you're even going to fake it. What's the point? There is none. So that's where I think they got. And as texting someone, one of the top Giants reporters, buddy of mine, as he texts me, I don't, I don't know, I'm not going to say his name just because I don't know if he wants this out there, but he was like, of course, this was going to end fast, and they became to a mutually departing a ways because he's like, Mar ain't doing the negative headlines. Like he ain't he ain't going down this road. That's not how he operates. He wants this over and done with. But I think if you're John Mar, you kind of got to look internally. Like, do we got a problem? Because we we're losing coaches left and right. Like I don't think Wink Martindale's you know the only guy that thinks like that. 
So do we have a serious internal problem when it comes to our head coach and the way he treats people? You think Tom Coughlin was easy to deal with? Of course not. But you know what Tom Coughlin was? He was respectful. And listen, I'm not acting like I, I know everything Brian Dable said to every coach. I just know the entire league thinks that it has not been pretty and it's not going well. Because when you're going to scream at guys, you better be the hardest worker and the most knowledgeable when you're a head coach. Because the moment you do that every single day and people start going, does this guy really know what he's doing? Does this guy know what he's doing? He just fired his offensive line coach, which is a good friend of his that came with him from Buffalo. Well, isn't Brian Dayball, an offensive guy, should be able to help impact the offensive line? And this is where it gets easy when you're a coach. You start pointing fingers. Not my fault. It's this guy's fault. This guy's a fucking idiot. This guy's the problem. And listen, Sirianni, I'm not comparing him to Dayball this way. People like Sirianni. But when it comes to like impacting the team, like what are you doing? How do you impact the team? Right? And I don't know. I, I just, I refuse to act like now, oh, see, Wink was the crazy guy. No, that's the Giants are good at leaking their side of the story. Dayball, Shane don't want to look like the bad guys, but takes two to tango. Is Wink absolved from this? Of course not. But I don't blame him because the moment you don't respect someone, I've been there. I'm sure many people listening have been there. I, and you know that it's over, whether it's a personal relationship or a professional relationship. It's borderline impossible to even pretend at that point. And that's where I think both them found themselves in this situation. And I think everyone can appreciate a guy basically going, F you, F you, you're cool, F you, I'm out, and just leaving. <laughs> Especially, listen, I don't care how rich you are. And, and obviously, if you're like Bezos or Elon, $3 million. But if you're an NFL coach, especially a lifetime assistant, like you still got $3 million, like risking that, he didn't even flinch. Think about it. Now, I don't know the outcome, whether they bought him out, whether how it worked, whether they're giving him the money. I, who knows? So maybe he ends up keeping the cash, but it didn't cross his mind that I need to get this figured out so I keep my $3 million. It was, I hate you this much. We'll, we'll fucking figure it. If I lose it, so be it. I'm not spending another minute in this building pretending to be one of your like coworkers and, and you as my boss who I don't even think knows what he's doing. The Bears. We'll end on this. Chicago Bears today announced that Matt Eberflus will return. And I, I, I'm going to sound like a hater here. I, I think Matt Eberflus is a fine defensive mind. Under no circumstances, with the biggest offseason in the history of the franchise, they have the first pick, they need a quarterback, and they have the ninth pick. Meaning, if several quarterbacks go, they're going to get one of the top players in the draft. Could I keep Matt Eberflus around? I think this reflects an organization that, one, financially is not willing to swim in the deep end because this is a no-brainer. You fire Eberflus, you are immediately one of the top destinations. But think about this. If they fired Eberflus, Kevin Warren, the quote-unquote president that all these guys are answering to, what do you think he'd be to all these candidates? Well, Vrabel, he's, he's a little unsure. Harbaugh wants no part of it. Ben Johnson doesn't feel quite comfortable. He'd be a red flag. I've been saying this for a while. Is when you have a president who, not the owner, the president, who's supposed to be in charge of business, who's pulling all the strings football-wise, it's actually easier to keep Eberflus around because everyone's got to answer to him. Here's the problem. And this is the second thing, and you're going to hear this. 
If you're Caleb Williams, who's going to be the top pick, they're, they're going to trade Justin Fields. Justin Fields cannot play within the pocket. They just saw a team that they have to beat, and their quarterback, who has started one season against a quarterback who started three seasons, and previously at Ohio State, the other guy was at Utah State, was it on a completely different level. And you'd be like, well, it's the offensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator. And I'm not acting like they're the offensive coordinator. And they fired him and the rest of his buddies. So they got to blow out the offensive staff. Is the next Bill Walsh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid. No one's saying that. But to just assume that, like, if Andy Reid had been the offensive coordinator for the Bears this year, Justin Fields would have looked dramatically better. If you can't consistently make throws and play from within the pocket and handle pressure from within the pocket, it is very difficult to play in the National Football League. And to me, it was on full display against the Green Bay Packers, who do not even have a good defense. So I, I think that they're going to trade him. And who, I, I, I guess a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick, who knows. Financially, the contract make it a little complicated. But if I'm Caleb Williams, hell, if I'm any of these quarterbacks, but definitely Caleb, am I going to go to a place where their coach is clearly on the hot seat heading into the season? Right, If the Bears win seven games, Matt Eberflus is gone. Well, if Matt Eberflus is gone, whoever he hires as the offensive coordinator, probably gone too. So I'm going to a place where my coach could be gone by Halloween. Everyone else is fired, and we're starting all over in a franchise that is t- historically terrible offensively, besides like Walter Payton, and an organization that's kind of cheap. Like once upon a time, Eli, led by Arch, E was like, we ain't fucking going to San Diego. Nope. And look what happened after. They were a pretty well-run organization with Marty Schottenheimer. But they said, under no circumstances are we playing in this place. We ain't doing it. Nope. No chance. Actually worked out for both parties. Phillip went there, had a great career, made a lot of money. Eli went to the Giants, bigger market, became a bigger star, won two Super Bowls. But they drew a line in the sand. And listen, the Bears, as a team, they got some good players. DJ Moore, stud. I mean, baller. Some good defensive players. But it would make me very, very nervous. It, it really would. So if you tell me, like, Jim Harbaugh is the Washington coach, and I'm just like, fuck, I'd rather play for Jim Harbaugh. Look what happens to his quarterbacks. Look what happens to his teams. I don't trust this place. And I'm not, I'm not a Bears hater. I, I want him to be good. I'm a big market guy. I don't root for fucking little guy. <laughs> I like watching the Yankees. I, I don't like the Lakers, but I like watching Tiger Woods. I'm here to watch Brady and Mahomes. I ain't some little engine that could here. I, I, I'm rooting for the big dogs. I wish the Bears were good. They play in a division with the Packers. Newsflash, not going away. The Lions, last I checked, roster pretty fucking good. Not going away either. So you better get this right. So you have the biggest offseason in franchise history because of the capital that you have available to you in the draft. And because of the position you are with drafting a quarterback and having fields and all the options, all the optionality you have, and you just run it back, that is the most bears thing ever. It really is. It's one thing to run it back if, you know, well, Eberflew's been in the playoffs two of the last five years. He's proven he can. This guy hasn't proven anything because their defense was good against the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals. I like what the Arizona Cardinals did at the end of the year. They have like two good players. It's like Kyler, James Conner, and the tight end. (laughs) You're just. I think sometimes, and one thing I learned in the NFL, is winning can band-aid your issues. And winning definitely can band-aid your issues when you're not beating anybody. So instead of going 6-11, and 11, we end up going 8-9, and nine, 
because down the stretch, instead of playing, you know, the 49ers, the Packers, and the Cowboys, we got like the Falcons, the Packers, and the Arizona Cardinals. So our record might look like two games better than it actually is. And that's what I think just happened. So you get a couple more wins, but you know what it turns out? Like, ah, I don't know. And then all of a sudden next year, you're one and three, and people are like, what the hell? Like the, pack, the, the Lions, it was twofold. You could see the momentum because you could see the skill, and then they had the draft capital, and they hit on the picks. And clearly they had an incredible offensive coordinator. So the pressure of the offensive coordinator coming to this place is going to be immense. You're also going to a place that, like, my coach is on the hot seat. So are they just getting a top-notch offensive coordinator? They will have options because it's the NFL coordinator jobs. As we saw with Wink, makes $3 million. This coordinator job will pay $2 million. Like, how many W-2 employees you know making $2 million? Like, it's, it's an elite American job. I don't care what industry you work in. But I, I just think it's the wrong decision all the way around. You put yourself now in flux with the Caleb situation. Uh, two, you put you just roll back a coach on the hot seat when you have all this pressure over the next nine months. I just think it's dumb. But I also think it's very Chicago Bears. It's what a mom-and-pop shop would do. Would the Eagles have done this? Would the Cowboys have done this? Would the 49ers have done this? Would the big money teams have done this? No fucking chance. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older. 
who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, back at it again with my main man who is healthy, heading into the playoffs. I have not talked to him since I got really bold. We, we worked Sark, the Washington Huskies. And then we lost the national championship, but I was in the casino, Stucky, on Friday. And my buddy's like, uh, you know, they have these DraftKings casinos. They have these, like, live, they're almost like a, uh, it's like a big video game, but it's all gambling. It's incredible. It has all the odds. It's it's like a massive smartphone. And I live bet Chris Kirk in the golf tournament, 35 bucks, won me almost $1,100. It's, it's one of the great live bet $35 I think it's humanly possible. I mean, I don't think you get those returns if you got as an early investor in Uber. So uh, I'm feeling good heading into the weekend, and I, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Rams looking at the board. But I, I'm, I'm yet to be uh, solidified in my mindset. And this week's it's one of those that's easy to think chalky, chalky, chalky. Uh, and obviously, we always historically have seen some weird shit happen, right? Yeah. Well, first of all, did you dump? Did you? I know you. Went all in on Washington in the semis. Did you double up? What happened was I took I took eight grand into the casino. I pushed out. I, I, at first, I was going to put it all on the money line. And then I'm like, this is kind of stupid. They're giving you some points. So I took four grand plus four, hit three grand money line. So I, I immediately won right away. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to bet on them to win this game, I think they're going to be in the national championship. Everyone was basically two to one. They were seven to one. I'm like, well, I might as well sprinkle on seven to one. So I had just all gravy, seven to one ticket. Fundamentally, don't believe in hedging, unless it's like going to change my life. If I had a hundred thousand dollars, I would have thrown fifty. But for a thousand dollars that was already profited, I was like, "Fuck it, I'll let it ride." And it was clear early we were in a little trouble, (laughs) but uh, the the right team won. The right team won. But I I stand by seven to one odds with an NFL quarterback. I, I do think the Washington was a little not properly valued in the operation. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree. They and look, there. I mean, their run defense cleaned it up in the second half. And, Pen, and Penix was he, you know, he just was a little off. Was now, Michigan yeah, was, was getting bad. pressure, which they no Washington gave up pressure all year to anybody. Uh, their offensive line had their worst day. I mean, you saw the their tackles were getting beat, which they haven't been getting beat all year. And Michigan's secondary is actually really good. 
there and but still look it was a seven point game late in the third McCarthy scrambles on that third and long backed up in his own 10 they get to midfield punt it instead of Washington starting to midfield they start their own 10 and then you have that and I had no dog in the fight I had the under uh you had that they didn't they both teams got away with a number of holds and then you call that hold uh, on that long pass, which was such a big swing in the game. And then really the only explosive pass he hit all game. Yeah. So I think the right team won, but that was a, a very questionable call. And despite the start, Washington did make some good adjustments in the in their run defense, and they still had a shot. But uh, I think Michigan was the rightful winner. But, yeah, you had a I good think that, seven to one. I, I think the, the Michigan D linemen, they said this during the game, and I read it after, had said, because Michigan had won the Joe Moore Award the last two years and Washington won it this year. Like, let's put the award on the table, <laughs> basically, going into this game. And I thought they got fucking worked. I mean, the garden center. There were a couple plays where Washington's guards were elevated on their yeah. back. Yeah. You know, so it, it was, you know, I understand Penix has been a big reason why they haven't been sacked. He's just kind of a natural in the pocket. He's got a good feel. But when you have NFL D linemen that are guys that are going to get drafted just in your grill immediately, I mean, I I don't care if you're Peyton Manning, like he was he was getting peppered. And, and Michigan has the corners that most teams don't that they can Boy, play exactly. a little tighter, so you you're not just going to have wide open guys right away that you can one read off to. So well, number two's an NFL guy, and he was going around with the Dunze the whole time, and even th- those guys had some moments where they were open. Penix, I honestly, he just you know that that's a game I I was anointing him after the Texas game. Texas defense kind of stinks beside their D-line. That's a game that the Michigan's more like an NFL team, and I understand if I was a GM, I'd be a little concerned. Two things. One, as you hit him, he was all over the place. And two, one knock is like the health. Like the Oregon game, when you pepper him, it feels like he's not going to be able to get up. Yeah. I mean, he was getting... Same deal. Remember Oregon and Seattle? It was like, are they going to have to carry him like uh, Byron Leftwich? Same. I was like, God, is he, is he going to make it through this game? Well, he has two past knee injuries. He's a little older, too. So there's definitely going to be some reservations uh, from NFL GMs. I'll be curious to see where. I'd go 20s. I bet when the dust settles, 20s. Yeah. Because he's not going to fall to, like, pick 50. But he's probably not going to go in the top 10-ish. But I... Could see, like, the Vikings, maybe. Exactly. Sean Payton. Yeah. You know, get rid of the ball fast, accurate. Yeah, Those, the, the guy. There was a lot of NFL talent, but let's uh, let's get to the National Football League. Uh, since I talked to you last, the Bills officially own the Dolphins, which we saw coming about five weeks ago. Pretty crazy that when Ty Dunn wrote that article, it felt like God, their season's falling apart. Are they going to fire Sean McDermott? The building was on fire. I don't think they ever lost after that. <laughs> I mean, they were. Think about this, Sucky. They were six and six. The Eagles were ten and one, and they both finished with the same record. That's yeah. pretty nuts. It, it insane. <laughs> they caught fire at the right time. They were a bit unlucky too, early in the season in close games, and you know they had that loss in overtime to the Eagles, and everything was there for the formula was there, and uh, they added like the, the, what happened with Buffalo is they started off okay, and they hit like this injuries, six, yeah, six game skid. They had. A lot of defensive injuries. Lost Milano, Trey White. They went out and signed Rasul Douglas. He's been massive. One of the best. He's been one of the best cornerbacks by some of the advanced metrics in the NFL. He's really solidified the D. You know, they made some schematic changes. Some of the guys who were getting more reps 
obviously adjusted, got better. But they got Daquan Jones back now. Um, so we'll see if I think Rasul Douglas is going to play this week. This, I will say that historically double-digit favorites in the NFL playoffs are a good bet. People don't want to bet. Everyone wants to bet the double-digit underdog, underdog in the NFL playoffs, yeah. right? But generally, there's a reason why uh, a team is a double-digit favorite. Since 2010, double-digit favorites in the NFL are 11-4 and four against the spread. I th- The reason this game is – and, and for what it's worth, this applies to four games. Now, this is just – a trend doesn't, you know, I don't, I think every situation is unique, but inexperienced quarterbacks historically, so quarterbacks making their first playoff start against a quarterback who has playoff experience, who has already started a playoff game in this career are 17, 35 and one against the spread 32.7%, 17, 36 straight up. So just a straight up record. And if you look at their numbers, even some of the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL in NFL history, their first playoff game. Paid Manning, whoever. Yeah, has really just been poor statistically, even, you know, especially if it's on the road. So I don't think Stroud. So we're talking Stroud, Tua, Mason Rudolph. And Jordan Love. Now, I don't necessarily think that applies. Like, Love is playing so well. Stroud seems different. And Love and Stroud have kind of been playing. Like, Stroud played in a playoff game last week on the road yeah, uh, against the Colts. Same, Same with Love. Same with Love. Yeah, and love the yeah the past couple of weeks uh, has been playing in playoff games, and they're playing at a different level. I you know the, the these quarterbacks who don't have much experience, who aren't great, and they're going on the road uh, in these in bad conditions. Now, what makes this game very difficult to handicap now because I would lean Buffalo here is the weather. So you could have as of right now that's it's five we're five days out from. Sunday when the game is, but we could have, I think last night in Buffalo, there was 60 to 70 mile an hour wind gusts. I think as of right now, it's projected to be like 30, which is extremely detrimental to offense, to kicking, to, which is why you've seen this, to- this total has come down to like 35 and a half. So it's difficult to lay 10 in a game where the total is 30. How, co- how co- when you're t- wind gusts and how cold are we talking like twenties? Are we talking 20 so the low 20s <laughs> and yeah so it's kind of like i i like now the steelers just want to run the ball this is kind of like steeler weather um like they wouldn't want to get go on a fast track against the bills so we also could get snow so yeah there i have to watch the weather here i would lean buffalo I just think, look, the, if you look at the Steelers' defensive splits without Watt over the years, they are drastic, and he's just a huge loss on that defense. They also have so many other missing pieces on the back end. They've had a lot of linebacker injuries. We'll see if Minka Fitzpatrick can come he's back. He's been banged up all year. Yeah, their safeties, you know, their corners aren't great, but I think Buffalo can really take advantage over the middle of the field. And even if there is win, now there's a point where win just kills everybody. Now, even I do you remember that game. There was a, I think it was a Thursday or Sunday game against the Patriots when the Bills played the Patriots, and it was Mac like, Jones threw it three times. Yeah, that that game. It was it was Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football. You could still see Allen made some throws. Like, yeah, he's a quarterback that you know much more than Mason Rudolph, but much more than most quarterbacks in the NFL that can actually deal with those conditions. He has the arm strength. His legs will be huge in this game. Just him running it. There's going to be designed runs for him. But there is a point where, like, 
it's so windy yeah. and the conditions are so bad depending on the snow that both teams are just going to be hand, handing it off and the game becomes so ugly that I couldn't lay 10 in a playoff game. Like, they, you just take one broken Steelers runner, you know, like we saw against the Ravens last week. You just get a slant and you're Steelers gone. Steelers been running the ball better second half of the season. I mean, Najee's been – listen, I'm not the biggest Najee Harris fan. He's looked good, I, yeah. I'd say, when I've watched him the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Warren, explosive player. So, like you said, if it gets to a point where it's – has vibes of that Monday night game. Ten point. You under Can't no circumstances 10. can you not take plus ten. Yep, agreed. So as of right now, that's just a wait and see for me. I got to see how bad the weather is, and with the lake effect, like this happens, this can happen in Cleveland too. It's it can be so bad out of nowhere, uh, but it also could change for the better. So five days out, it's just too hard to say. But if this was, you know, if the conditions aren't too bad. It's hard for me to see Pittsburgh keeping up with Buffalo. I mean, this is a Pittsburgh team. Look, they beat the Seahawks, who were not faded into oblivion at the end of the year. They beat the all the Ravens' backups. They beat you know the Bengals with Jake Browning. But before then, they lost to the Colts by 17. They lost to the Pats at home. They lost to the Cardinals at home. So I think that where people are falling a little bit too much in love with Mason Rudolph and I think his inexperience is going to show. He'll probably make a couple mistakes. And uh, I think that the Bills are just peaking at the right time. But the conditions of the wild card. So as of right now, nothing for me there. I'm going to die on this hill. This season's on. Now, listen, I don't, I'm not acting like they would have made some run in the playoffs. But TJ Watt is hurt because they had to win that game. And they stuck with Trubisky so long in that situation. You remember on that Saturday game? When who you've been saying this, and I, I started noticing Indy's not good. I mean, what, as far as they came, it's more of a testament to me to their head coach. Like, yep. I don't view them as a good team. That's why we'll talk about Houston. I, I'm a little leery on them. But if he, like, he, remember when he brought in Mason Rudolph at the end of the Indy game with like two minutes left? It's like, Mike, have you been fucking watching what's going on out there? Why, how did you not go to the bullpen at halftime? So this yep. notion of oh, that should have gone. It was clear to everyone's day, like, listen, your season's going down the drain. You might as well. He was so loyal to that guy, and it put him in a situation where they're playing all these backups, and their star, I mean, listen, if you tell me T.J. Watt is playing in a game that, like you said, gets windy, who knows? Shit gets weird. Like, he, he, we've seen, we literally saw T.J. Watt and Highsmith win them a game. Just yep. those two guys. So, I, they're yeah, going to be one and done. Game, he strip sacks. <laughs> yeah. Creates a fumble. Yeah. Picks off a screen. At the, takes it 30 yards. I mean, this, this season to me is on Tomlin. And I'm not some, like, Tomlin hater. Obviously, he's a winning coach. But, like, this, like they shouldn't have been in that position last week. The, the Ravens yeah. weren't, you know? And, and it was still, listen, and I don't even care that it was a close game. Like, I get it. It was, I don't judge you on backups, like, whatever. But you had to play a guy that you that is, like, your quarterback. And it fucked you. And, yeah, so to me, like, I'm with you. Uh, it's, okay, yeah, let's you, go. You go back to go back to the Cardinals and Pats, two win teams at home back to back weeks. You can't lose Trubi- both those Trubi- games. Trubisky was, I think, the worst quarterback I saw this season. Yep, agreed. Who who makes like over a million dollars? Not like just some practice squad guy that gets elevated to play. I'm talking about a guy going into the season on the two deep. Yep, he, he was hideous. I agree. And clearly, they got some skill guys. Like if you can just function, you you, you can be decent. Let's start with the first game, Cleveland Houston. This is historically kind of the throwaway game. Cleveland's been an incredible story. They just have really good players. <laughs> they got a lot of momentum. They have a quarterback who's 
you know, I get he throws it up for grabs, but like you said, he's been in a million playoff games. It's been a while, but and to me, Houston, to me, they're a team on the come. They have some major injuries. Those guys will be back next season. They have a ton of cap space. If they were a stock, I would bet on them. I do feel like I, I think this is going to be tough. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be tough. I mean, that defense, Jim Schwartz is, a, uh, to me, an elite coordinator. Uh, look at what Jim Schwartz did to Kyle earlier this season. He's comfortable against – I know the offense is a little different because CJ, can, to me, is more – they can do more stuff with him in the passing game than, than Kyle likes to do, but still, like – I like Cleveland in this game. I I would lean that way. I actually like I prefer the over. Historically, Wildcard Weekend, a lot of unders, but those are mostly outdoor games. Past twenty years, Wildcard unders fifty one and thirty five, but indoors, overs have gone eleven and eight. So a lot of times, you get weather conditions. These games tend to be lower scoring, but that's not necessarily the case indoors on a fast track. So I like this over for a couple of reasons. The cleat. The Cleveland offense, since Flacco's taken over, they're averaging over 28 points per game. They've gone from a bottom five pass explosive offense to a top five, and they are just, they're using tempo, and they're, Savancy's just letting Flacco drop back and throw it all over the field. Chuck it. I mean, this is a, a pass first, pass heavy, pass all the time offense, and that's how you want to attack Houston. Houston's run D, pretty good. Their pass D is not. And now you have Jimmy Ward, one of their other guys, Thomas on IR. This and this Houston defense, which I mean, the Houston pass defense was not good. They're they finished 20th in EPA per play against the pass, like top five against the run. Stefanski's a smart coach. I think Cleveland's gonna come out, they're gonna start chucking it. And here's a crazy stat this Houston defense, they faced one, if you just look at EPA per play, one top 10 offense all season, and that was Baltimore in week one when they lost at 25 to eight in the first game of the new system, they still get up 25 points. They haven't faced a top 10 offense since week one. They've only faced two others in the top 13 Tampa. It was not, you look at their offense and you're not like, Oh, this is some world renowned offense. Tampa put up. That was that, that was that crazy. That was that crazy shootout. And then Cincy who put up 30 on them. So they've been roasted by any offense with a pulse. Here are the other offenses that they faced. The Titans twice, the Jags twice, the Colts twice, the Steelers, Falcons, Jets, Broncos, Cardinals, Panthers, Saints, and Browns, who are bottom five overall, but they're not with Flacco. And Flacco in this offense a month ago in the same stadium put up 36. And for what it's worth, the Browns on the road this year, 8-0 to the over, covering by 15 points per game. Their defense is good, but there's also some injuries. They have injuries on the defensive line at safety, Walker at linebacker. So they're not fully healthy. And the defense just isn't as dominant as it is at home with that crowd. And True. they just seem to play at a different level at home. They're giving up on the road this year. They're giving up 30 points per game on the road. Even against Case Keenum, the Texans still got the 22. But almost everybody on the road against the Browns has gotten the 24 or more. So, and I think Houston, they're going to, I think the Stroud's going to chuck it downfield. He might make some mistakes, same with Flacco. So there could be some turnovers in this game, but I think there's going to be a lot of explosive passing plays. You can get the, you can get a few of them against the Browns in aggressive defense, and that's what you want with an over. You want explosive passing plays. 
Uh, I think the Browns are going to come out. They're going to be able to take advantage of this Houston defense, which is not good, especially in the secondary. They just haven't faced many competent passing attacks. And when they have, they've been destroyed. Fast track indoors. I'm a little hesitant about Stroud just because, like, it's his first playoff start. But like I said, he was in a playoff game basically last week. Their receivers overall, Noah Brown, uh, Robert Woods, they should be a little bit healthier. Still no Tank Dell, but uh, I like the over there. But I, I don't mind your Browns bet. Backing, uh, you convinced me. I, 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 I'm with you. You're right. The Browns, when you notice, you know, I, I didn't have the exact number, but when you watch them on the road, that they are dramatically different than when they're at home. This is just a great, you know, sometimes, I mean, this game, it's been like Raiders, Bengals, once Raiders, Texans, one time with like uh, Matt McGloin. I mean, there have been some really, really shitty Saturday afternoon on this weekend. This is a really good Saturday afternoon game. It'd be hard for the NFL to get better than this, actually, I think. Don't you? I agree. Yeah, I think this is the eighth Texans playoff game, and all eight have been on Saturday afternoon, (laughs) which was funny. I feel this, and maybe it's C.J. Stroud. I guess Deshaun played in one against the Bills that was really good. Remember that play? Yeah. They did, like, uh, some crazy pitch play. I forget if it was the Bills or the Texans. They got tackled. Chiefs, maybe? No, Texans, Bills was definitely Saturday afternoon. Like, I think Josh's first playoff. First time they made the playoffs. Yes, 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 you're right. And it, it was a really, really entertaining game. Yeah. Sean and DeAndre Hopkins were going nuts. And yeah. So that, that might be the best ever. This has a chance to be in that world. Okay. I'm sure you got the stat. I mean, I, listen, you live in warm weather. I, I live in warm weather. It, it, there's just no way to get ready for the cold. You know? <laughs> like, when you said those numbers with the Bills about the wind and the cold. I mean, I can't. It makes me fucking quiver. So Miami going to Kansas City, which it's supposed to be frigid. <laughs> you know? I mean, this is... Th- these guys, one, this team is not even dependent, like some of their previous teams, or like some of the Rodgers Packers team, on scoring a lot of points to be successful, to win games. And two, their guys now, especially their core guys, have just been living in Kansas City for a long time. So I, th- the advantage there is... I, it's unquantifiable to me. I mean, be just and and then you factor in. Well, what is Miami? Well, they got a big arm quarterback. Nope, they got a guy with a lollipop. So I mean, I, I, four and a half. That that number feels a little. I dare you to take it, but I, I just there's not a team I like less this weekend than the Miami Dolphins. To be honest with you, yeah, Miami in cold weather games under forty degrees. It's twenty seventeen. Oh and nine, straight up. Two and seven it, against the spread. Well, historically, post Marino, it's awful. Now they've yeah. had some shitty quarterbacks, but and it's supposed to be like one degree. I think it was one. Uh, the last I checked. So what would I have to? What would I have to pay you to attend that game? Uh no, no, no big jacket. Just like a, I'll give you a long sleeve, but it's like a dry fit or t-shirt level long sleeve. Could you survive? No, there's no amount of money. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm passing. Are you not a bit. Are you not a guy in the cold either? I no, I like the cold. No, yeah. uh, no, I'm not. I'm not a cold guy. Uh, so right now, zero. Zero is the projection. Um, I think. What's it? At night. Yeah, we're gonna be at like zero degrees, and who knows what it feels like. There could be some wind too. The problem with this game is not only is the weather an advantage for Kansas City, it's the fact that they rested last week. And Miami went out and had to fight their ass off and still lost the division. And they got – they have so many more injuries. I mean, this team is beat 
up. They are signing Bruce Irvin. Uh, they are signing, you know, Justin Houston, guys off the street that come play edge. They have no one left. They're li- they lost two linebackers. Their safeties both got hurt. I mean, everyone got Xavier Howard's still out. Ramsey got banged up. I mean, it, it is a mess. Waddle, I think he's going to play. We'll see if he's 100%. Tyreek got banged up again. He's not 100%. He could limp off the field at any time. Two is a little banged up. Like, they're going to have Mostert back. So I assume that they're going to – you can run on the Chiefs. So I assume that they're going to try to shorten the game and then just run with Mostert and uh, A-Chain and try to control the clock and that's their path to success. And then just try to hit a couple shots to Tyreek. I think that has to be the formula. Their defense right now is a shell of itself. Now, Vic Fangio doesn't really blitz much. Sits back to, hey, we don't want to give up a big play historically. But last week, they were down so many guys against Allen. He started just bringing the house. Like, they were like, we have no other choice. We have no one that can generate pressure. You got to remember, they already lost Chubb and Phillips. Um, They're two main edge rushers before last week. And they lost a couple other edge rushers, a couple linebackers. So you, but you never want to blitz Mahomes. So I, I'm curious to see how he plays this. Is he going to say because this Chiefs offense has not been good? It's not a team that I'm rushing. They can't. They can't catch the football. Yeah, the, the receivers been bad. The, their tackles have been really bad. So I'm curious to see how does Fangio, you know, do some of these old like they're literally signing guys off the street or, like to come in and play this week. Some guys that were played with Fangio before, so at least they know the system, but. How are they going to generate pressure? Mahomes is the last quarterback in the world you want to blitz, but they might not have any other choice, and they might just have to try to attack these tackles and then just say, look, your receivers stink, and you're not going to – you know, this isn't – we're going to take Ramsey, put him on Kelsey, and then we'll take our chances with you trying to hit the receivers. I don't know. that, Or are they going to just sit back and say, your offense stinks and you're not going to move it? But they should be able to run it – I don't know. I kind of think they're going to blitz a little bit more. I like some Pacheco props. He's going to uh, he's going to play, and I think he's going to play most of the game. And I think there's going to be – I like Pacheco receiving props. He's averaged, like, I think, five and a half catches when uh, their other back's been out of the lineup, and he is out again this week. So, yeah, I couldn't play Miami here. This line opened Kansas City minus one and a half. So, obviously, Kansas City has taken a ton of money. Um it's Mahomes at home in the cold. There, you said it. Healthier. You said it opened what? Kansas City minus one and a half. Didn't it's last long. Been, Jesus. Set minutes, and then it was gone right to three, and then it's kept going. One and a half. I got. So, yeah, I I would I could only bet Kansas City here, but their offense has been so bad, and Miami might have success running it. So, um, this is probably a pass for me. I when I see. If I assume the Chiefs win this game, because I, I I'm with everyone that hammered them, they're going to have a chance next week. Assuming the Bills take care of business, in a weird way to go into Buffalo and be free. Like everyone's, it's all the pressures on Buffalo, right? Th- th- people think this is like the super flawed Kansas City team. If I was Buffalo, I'd rather be facing the Chiefs team. They're like, hey, we're all equals. Everyone, we all got the same on the line. But the, the the Chiefs are going to get to go into Buffalo. Like, ah, oh, we're just fucking kind of playing with house money. People think, you know, our receivers suck, and this is our down year. I can see Buffalo getting a little tense. I mean, they were doing that against Miami. It's like, why are you guys – you guys feel tight. And then yeah. they loosened up as Josh starts running, and then they feel kind of freer, and they start kicking ass. But that that punt return, it felt like saved the Bills season. 
Now they they had made the playoffs right because the t- the Titans had taken care of business with the Jacks, so they they didn't need to win to get in. Yeah, but they but would have had to go to Miami again. They, yeah, they looked bad. Baltimore. They they looked off. Like they would have to go to they would have to beat Miami again and then go to Baltimore no matter what if they won that game in the yeah. divisional round. Instead, you host the Steelers, <laughs> and then you host another home game. I agree. It's kind of like a role reversal of the previous that yeah. thriller between the Bills and the Chiefs when the Bills went in there and. I mean, really should have beat them before. Overtime. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Packers. Who? I, I I loved the Packers last week. I didn't talk to you, but I thought the Bears were one of the biggest frauds. I mean, they were beating up on like the Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons. And it's like, are you guys watching Justin Fields? He cannot throw from within the pocket. Justin yeah. Fields or uh, Jordan Love is everything everyone on Twitter acts like Justin Fields is. And if like. They were going to be. I don't care how shitty their defense is. Fields ain't lighting them up, and he didn't, and they won the game. Uh, listen, I don't like the Packers as much this week. Seven and a half is a pretty big number, but that defense against a uh, potent offense. I mean, I didn't. I thought the Cowboys were like going through the motions, and they had thirty with their eyes closed against Washington. Who I get it, one, two, three, Cancun, but that number's a little high for me. But I, I do think this is a rough matchup for Green Bay, who is playing with house money. Incredible season. Somehow the Bears have never had a quarterback. They just might have gone two Hall of Famers to another guy that looks like he's got a chance to be pretty good. I mean, it'd be if this guy truly is a good player. It's like the greatest stretch in sports history, isn't it? Yeah, to hit th- on three quarterbacks in a row like that would be uh, just stunning. Uh, yeah, I like the Packers here. I don't think that this should be. I mean, if this line was six and a half, I wouldn't. That's take a lot it. of points. I'm with you. But That's a lot of points. Seven and a half, I have to take it. Cowboys are going to get their points, but. One of the reasons they're so good as a favorite generally is that once they get a lead, then their pass rush, we've talked about this, their pass rush yeah. gets going, they're opportunistic. But the Packers' offensive line can hold up here. Aaron Jones is fully healthy now. You can Looks run good. on Dallas a little bit. And they can protect Love. And Love is just – Love finished top five EPA among all quarterbacks after he ended the season since week 11. He's arguably been the best quarterback in the NFL. 18 touchdowns, one interception, 70% completion percentage, 7.8 yards per attempt, 0.26 EPA per pass play. Over, you know, since that time, only Purdy has a higher EPA since then. Yeah. Uh, so I know you'd like. And that. Christian Watson, I mean, has been injured, right? Yep. I mean, the most explosive. They've had a lot of injuries at receiver. It doesn't even matter who's come in. Jones also hasn't been fully healthy until the past couple of weeks, but now he's fresh, ready to go. Look, the, you're going to hear a lot about the Cowboys at home this year. They're undefeated, but look, they here's who they beat: the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, the Commanders, Eagles, the free falling Eagles. They beat the Rams. The Seahawks and Lions had chances to beat them. The Lions should have, you know, with with the refs get the call right, the Lions should have beat them. The Seahawks had the ball late with a chance to win. So it's not like they've, you know, they've played a lot of bad teams, just inflated the score. I think the Packers are just, Love and that offense are firing on all cylinders, and they're playing too well to get. And look, the Cowboys give up 14 late. Green Bay can go down and get a touchdown and cover. But I think this will be a back and forth game. I think Dallas pulls it out, but I have to take the hook over seven. I also wouldn't be shocked. And, and for what it's worth, the, the Packers were four and five on the road, but all five losses were by four points or less. Um, 
So they have not, they've been in every game on the road all season. They even, you know, they blew out Detroit. They blew out Minnesota, blew out Chicago on the road, three road division blowout wins. But I also wouldn't be shocked if Mike McCarthy makes some boneheaded in-game decision that costs the Cowboys points, which will only help the plus seven and a half here. So, um, and look, the, the Packers defense is bad, but Jair Alexander's at least back. Their run defense is worse than their pasty. And but the Cowboys aren't really running it well. And if the Cowboys do decide to run it, Green Bay will say, Great, that we're happy with that. So it's not the worst matchup for Green Bay's defense. Now Dallas is gonna score. They're at home, their offense is elite. But yeah, I think CD Green Bay can CeeDee Lamb's a star. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb's unbelievable. I but I think Green Bay can keep this within a score. Okay, the night game. I, I uh you know, Sunday Sunday morning slate on week eighteen was pretty shitty. So I, I had the four box on one TV, and I, I, every time I looked over at the Lions in Minnesota, because the game meant nothing, because uh, I just assumed Dallas was going to win in the afternoon, so the Lions were just stuck at three, there was a dude limping off the field or yeah. like kind of holding his side. I, obviously, Laporta got seriously injured, but I, I swear to God, like every other snap, a dude was kind of it was, – it was crazy. And uh, I don't know where you stand, like – I, I thought I'm a I'm a Dan Campbell supporter for people calling him meathead. I think he's clearly pretty solid, especially what he's done with Detroit. But that that was a little reckless for my liking. You know, I mean the McVeighs and the Harbaugh's never would have done that. It, it's too and I understand trying to get a guy a rookie record. Uh, McVeigh did it with Puka Nakua, and then yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip go viral, but he said that's awesome. Get him out of there. Yeah. Right. So the moment you get something, you get the guy off the field. I I understand young players, but holy shit. So that Laporta injury to me, I, I understand gambling, like quarterbacks are truly the only guy. I, I think that really matters for Detroit. I mean, he's been he, he's been a star. So I that rattled me. Uh I, I I would have picked if you told me the the Lions were fully healthy. I'm like, I think everyone's gonna pick the Rams. I like the Lions. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think they're gonna try to play it. We're all fine. I think a lot of their guys are banged up after that game. Minnesota's Fucking crushing dudes. So I, I, I tend to kind of like the Rams money line in this spot. Yeah, it's it's I completely You get disagree. it like plus one fifty. Yeah, I, I disagree with what Campbell did because number like you could argue, okay, you could you had a three percent chance of getting the two seed, not worth it. Like you needed Dallas to lose to Washington and Philly to lose uh to the Giants. The, the Dallas just wasn't going to lose the Washington. And you also had to win the game. Like, Minnesota was still in it, so the, that wasn't even a guarantee. And the main – like, the difference between a three and a two, like, the most likely case was going to be, okay, if you won, Dallas won, then Dallas is the two. Even if you lost, then you're the three, Dallas is still the two. Like, you – I get maybe you get to the two because you want to keep Goff from going outdoors where you just have no chance – but either way, you're either going to Dallas if you win, or you're at home. Dal- um, Dallas was never losing to the football yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. I, so I I completely disagreed there. And Khalif Raymond too. I I don't know. I I like Detroit uh, as of now. I can I see the case for the Rams, but Detroit does what two things really well. They can defend the run, which is huge. The basis of the Rams' offense is Kyron Williams. That's when it's really taken off. Now, they're going to hit their explosive passing plays. But if you can get pressure on Stafford, he's a different quarterback. Lions lead the league in pressure rate, lead the league in quarterback knockdown rate, lead the league in hurry rate. They just got a Lee McNeil back. He's huge. C.J. Gardner-Johnson. So they got some reinforcements on this defense. 
Now, their corners can't stay with Nakua and Cup. So Stafford's going to hit his plays, but I think they can pressure him. This crowd is going to be raucous. I also think that the Lions, like, I think both offenses have major advantages here. Like the Rams, they can block Donald, and the Rams don't get pressure uh, unless Donald makes a play. They don't get any pressure whatsoever. So Goff's going to be comfortable, especially going up against this defensive scheme. So I think the Lions will move the ball. Campbell fourth down decisions will probably beat way heavily on this game because he's going to go. You know he's going to go for it a couple of times. Fourth and eighteen, let's roll, yeah. boys. So that that's going to be a major uh, that adds a lot of variance into this game. The one thing that you know, the first this crowd is going to be bananas. bananas. So yeah, just the sound, the noise, the, a couple of calls will probably go their way. Special teams in the playoffs are massive. The Rams special teams are impoverished. I mean, they are so bad because they have no depth whatsoever on their team because of everything. You know, they went after the Super Bowl and got him. Credit to them for hitting on guys like Nakua, Avila, an offensive line, and a couple other guys. Credit to McVay for, you know, he was about to retire and just take a a break. And he's got them back into the playoffs. But because of their roster and, like, the lack of depth, their special teams are so bad. They, They don't have a kicker. Their punt, their coverage units are horrendous. That on the road is asking for trouble. It's cost them a couple games this year. Um, almost cost them the Giants game, cost them the Ravens game. Don't forget about the special teams. I think the Lions are going to win in front of the home crowd, but I can see the case for the Rams. It's you have Stafford, Nakua, and Cup against those corners. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun game, but uh, I think I'm siding with the Lions. I, I think whoever wins. It's an incredible moment for either coach. If the yeah. Rams win, I, I thought the Rams were going to suck. I don't know where you stood. I, I mean, yep. I thought they were going to draft in the top 10. I'm like, Stafford, he's falling apart. Now they not only made the playoffs, but like a legit six-seed playoff team, went on the road, won a game against a t- very talented team. In, you could argue it's non-Super Bowl year. You could, this could be Big Vay's second-best season. And if Dan Campbell wins a fucking playoff game for the Detroit Lions for the first time in three and a half decades or whatever. I mean, he's getting an enormous contract extension. Uh, he might be getting that anyway, but like you win a playoff game in Detroit. Are, are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's, that never happens. I, I, I don't even vividly remember them. Honestly, I, I don't remember that game. I watched the Barry Sanders documentary and when they won the playoff game, like I was, I was pretty young. I was like, I do not remember this. Yeah. The, I, I, I'm, yeah, it's going to be an amazing game. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. And I'll the Rams, I agree. I thought they're going to be bottom eight team, no chance to playoffs. I thought it was just going to be Stafford throwing it to Cup a million times a game. Their defense is going to be bad. Their special teams going to be bad. Defense has been a little better than I thought. But they hit on guys. You know, they hit on some linemen. But Kyron Williams in the fifth round, I think, two years ago, Nakua in the third round, one of the best rookie seasons of all time. I mean, that's how you can really boost yeah. your team and one hitting on a couple draft picks like that. And Staff- uh, Staff- Stafford, Stafford played like he was 27 again down the And stretch. Stafford healthy too, yeah, and turning back the clock uh, was obviously massive. So, uh, But I will say that they were, you know, they were one in six. If you remove the Niners game resting their starters, they were one in six against playoff teams this year. Well, so Cowboys they, kicked their ass. The Ravens beat them, but they that was probably yeah they were they were loss. close in the Ravens game. Um, yeah. But when they stepped up in class this year a lot, they didn't fare so well. And 
weren't necessarily the same team on the road. I mean, arguably should have lost to the Giants. They won a bunch of very close games. A lot of their analytical rankings, like they beat the shit out of the Cardinals and Seahawks four times. Um, you know, the Saints. Um, so this is a team that's still they you know, lost at home to the Steelers. So I'm not as high on the Rams as some, but their offense is cooking. This could turn. When did they, when did they play season. Cleveland? I don't even remember that game. Yeah, they played with Cleveland a month ago. It was it was like twenty to nineteen in the fourth. The it was Flacco's first start. Was that in L.A.? Yeah, Browns had a ton of injuries. Like Garrett got hurt, yeah. Ward didn't play, um, so they were severely shorthanded. And then there was a couple. There was like a couple turnovers late that made the score look a little later. But that was their only playoff win. Okay. Uh... This honestly, this could have been if if Houston wasn't a franchise, you could have put this Saturday afternoon. Uh, Philly, Philly at Houston. Uh, I don't know, man. I I understand like kind of going into the game knowing, just assuming Dallas is going to win, but the level of gutlessness from the Eagles in that effort, I mean that that was pretty eye opening, especially given the way that their season was going. Th- this feels like all time implosion. I. Listen, I watched a decent amount of Tampa against Carolina. They do not look good either because Baker's injured. They're just they're just not playing that well. So it's it's hard to just think Tampa is going to beat them. But Philly can lose to anybody the way they're playing. I mean, you could not feel comfortable. I don't give a shit if you're Jeffrey Lurie placing a bet right now on the Eagles. I couldn't do it. I, I wouldn't. I'm not going to touch this game. But I, I under I wouldn't touch Philly with a ten foot pole. Yeah, it's Tampa or nothing for me, uh, especially at a field goal. This this Eagles team is – I mean, they were very fortunate to be 10 and you think Siri, You're a Philly guy. Do you think Sirianni, if he loses this game? Because there's no way they could lose this game and it not be an ugly fashion, whether it's a walk-off field goal, whether it's getting your ass – regardless, you lose this game. Could he get fired I think he might week? be gone. I think – I do too. Like, look, at, look at what the Eagles franchise has done. They've gotten rid of Super Bowl-winning quarterback uh, coaches – like Peterson, Andy Reid, they're not a, uh, you know, they're a, not Tom they're not like and the Steelers. The Steelers. No. Yeah, they will move on quick. And, yeah, it's been a disaster with the, I mean, like e- either side of the ball. Like the defense, they, they're changing defensive coordinators. They're naming Matt Patricia midway. You know, since they named Matt Patricia the defensive coordinator, they've gotten – Worse, their 31st yeah. EPA per play on defense since Patricia took over. I mean, it's it's been a disaster. I mean, I, the, everyone is out of position. They've also had injuries. The offense is also a mess, too. They can't figure out teams blitzing against them. A.J., the, the, like, just divides, too, everything in the locker room. Now you have A.J. Brown who's hurt. We'll see what his status and how healthy he is. Devontae Smith's banged up. Hurts got banged up. Uh, you know, Swift hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game since uh the the Bucks game when they beat them earlier this season. It's a mess. Both sides of the, both sides of the field. I mean, and that's the longest I read today a funny stat is the longest stretch of a Eagles running starting running back not having a hundred yard game since Heath Byers in the early nineties, who went like a hundred and thirty one games without a hundred yard game. Um Jesus. But yeah, they're a mess on both sides of the ball. Now the Bucks aren't great. Uh, Baker's hobbled too, and they just want a shitty division. I will say, in fairness, the Eagles, like, all right, now they're in. Is it a chance for them to like reset? Everyone's written them off. They have the playoff pedigree. 
can they rally here? The Cowboys in the same situation last year, they laid they were in the same situation the Eagles going into week 18. They had to win and then have the Eagles lose, but they knew the Eagles were probably going to win. And they went up to Washington and lost 26 to 6. Dak was 16 to 37 through a bunch of pick sixes. Then they recovered and won in Tampa. I think on the Monday night game. So it's the same. And, well, and he had the great he had the greatest game of his career. Did yep. he throw five touchdowns? Yeah. Yeah. He looked perfect. So but I just don't see that from this Eagles team right now. I could not bet them. I will say I, I bet I'm betting some Cade Otten, the Bucks tight end. He's not great, but he's our only tight end. He will be on the field most of the game. And the Bucks can't run the ball. They won't be able to run the ball in Philly. And so they're going to be in a lot of passing situations, passing downs. And the Eagles can still get pressure with their – so Baker's going to get rid of the ball quick, and Baker's hobbled. So I think he's going to look to Otten, and the Eagles cannot cover tight ends to save their life. On this, they're the worst worst defense in the NFL defending tight ends. Now they've had linebacker injuries. Reed Blankenship has fallen off a cliff. On this season, they they got up 76% completion rate. Tight ends have averaged five catches for 50 yards. Jesus. And that includes the game against the Dolphins, who don't use their tight end and have no no yards. And since week eight, it's been even worse. Opposing tight ends, six catches on average for 58 yards. They've given up, uh, I think, over the past – let me see. I have it here. They've given up 11 20-plus yard receptions over the past seven weeks to tight ends alone so i played otten who i think is going to get some looks and he's had 12 catches of over uh 13 yards this year in 17 games so i played over 12 and a half longest catch i split up with one 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 of my whatever i bet on a normal game i split it up into three longest over catch 12 and a half over two and a half catches the one i like the most is over 20 and a half receiving yards uh i think he might be able to get that in, in one reception, but I think Baker's going to look to him a bunch. They're going to have to throw it a bunch. And the middle of the field, Eagles can't defend it. They're going to have to worry about Godwin and Evans. So I think Otten's going to have some opportunities here, and the Eagles just can't cover tight ends. You know what's crazy? If we get some upsets, right, if if the Rams beat Detroit and Philly were to implode and lose, you could argue the Cowboys get the easier second-round matchup than the 49ers because they would get the Bucks and the Niners would have to play the Rams, who would be, yep. you have a ton of momentum. So that's yeah. something to keep an eye on. Yeah, there, it's not. Because you want the Bucks to me. Like the Niners or Cowboys would, 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 to me, pick the Bucks over all these other teams, right? Of Probably course. including the Eagles, just because if, if those guys get healthy, they, they can give you problems. Yeah, it's, you know, the NFL, I shouldn't say never, but. There's going to be upsets this week. Uh, yeah. It's just the way that it works. I, I If I could tell you which ones it would be, I'd be on an island somewhere not recording this with you, even though I enjoy doing this. But, yes, yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I wouldn't be floored if the Packers, Rams, and Bucks all won. Um, and, and, you know, I would be a little bit more shocked if the Steelers and Dolphins both won. But, you know, if the pa- you tell me the the – the Cowboys choked McCarthy choked the game away and love went off. I wouldn't be completely shocked. And the Rams beat the Lions, so of course it could easily happen. And the Bucks beat the Eagles. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked if all three underdogs um 
in the NFC one. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be chaotic. Enjoy the games. We got three days of them. I prefer to two triple headers Saturday Sunday, but you can't complain having an extra. I agree. Uh, totally agree. And I think would you say Sirianni and McCarthy would be the two guys that if they were to lose, you, you never know Monday if the, if those guys are still employed. McCarthy with this team, with these expectations, yeah. If he goes down at home, some of these to the Packers, some of these guys yep. available. I, I he, and if he, he especially would. if he, yeah, I, yeah, he's. He I think he's, he's got to win this. This is must win for him. Must win game. You can you can even maybe lose to the Lions next week, but you can't go out in the first round at home. Jones will. I think make a move I, and he, Stucky. I don't. I don't think he can lose a home playoff game. I, I don't think he can lose the home games. He can I lose agree the with Niners, that too. but especially uh, not the first one. You can't. This would be. He's one hundred percent fired. I think there would be problems if he lost in the second round to Detroit, to Philly, to you know. I, I, I think it'd be problems. He loses the Niners. He's going to be what seven point underdog in that game. Yeah, that's losable. I, I don't think you can't lose at home because if you're losing home. You know, the whole point is to get these home playoff games, right? He did it a couple years ago. Well, now two years later, he's in charge. He's calling the plays. This team's better in theory, right? So I, I think he's got to win the home games. I, that's my thing. Like, if I could see Jerry, who's kind of been a little weird, you know, talking about him. He's like, he's under contract next year. It's not yeah, like he's got I, some I think you might be right. Deal. But <laughs> I think you're definitely right if he loses this weekend. And everyone in the AFC is safe. Um... Todd Bowles would be a 50-50? I'm not yeah. saying he should, but I'm just saying ownership's a little weird there, you know? They're bringing Baker back one more year. Yeah, Todd's probably safe. They'll probably, they'll probably keep him one more year. Uh, but, yeah, I think Sirianni, the two two NFC East coaches, if they lose this weekend, could get Adios. Yep. Okay, Stucky, let's, uh, let's have a weekend. Absolutely. Enjoy the games, and I'll uh, see you next week. See you, buddy. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.